On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we discuss the phenom known as Calgary's Mike Soroka and talk a little Western Canadian Baseball League as their season is now underway. Welcome to episode 35 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarlane, and for the first time in what feels like forever, we have my co-conspirator. Actually, he's mainly the conspirator, and I'm just the tag along. I ride his coattails for the most part. Ian Wilson joining us on the program this time around. Hey there, Ian. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it is baseball season. The summer has finally shown up, and uh, we've got WCBL action already starting up. We're going to get to that a little bit later on. But I wanted to start things off talking about probably he's not just the baseball story in Alberta or in Canada. I would argue Mike Soroka is the talk of the baseball world right now based just simply on numbers. But his performances have been stellar. And the Calgary kid is doing his home country, his home province, his home city. Extremely proud. Very well said. And uh, it's just it's phenomenal to watch his stellar season unfold you know he's about what 50 innings in and era just above one and every time he gives up one run in a game or or possibly two his era goes up which says everything you kind of need to know about how fantastic he's been and and one thing i've found really interesting is you know we kind of approached him as um hey this is great this is a, a pitcher who's in the major leagues and he's from Calgary. There's like none of those. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like just to be in the dance for for the longest time was like, this is this is great. Like he's he's he made it. Fantastic. And then now it's it's shifted so much from he's not just carrying the flag of I got drafted and I made it to the major leagues. What he's doing now is is kind of moving the goalposts on us where we're like, wow, like he's really really good and you know you I think we had a sense that he was a very gifted uh, athlete and very good pitcher but I don't think um, anyone in in our circle knew that he was quite this good no and even beyond that is I don't think a lot of people even within the the ranks of Major League Baseball were thinking hey this is going to be a kid that I think there were maybe some hey he could be potentially thought of as an early rookie of the year candidate maybe but just based off numbers and the performance he's put up he's looking at like maybe some Cy Young votes if you know the season were to end right now I'm sure he'd be in the running yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's one of the names that you're kind of seeing out there is Mike Syroka for him right now, right? <laughs> he's uh, he's he's just got those those dominant numbers. And it's not just the numbers. I mean, the numbers tell a story. When you watch him pitch, uh, you you just see what like how he's working and that uh, he's got an intent with every pitch and every at-bat that he's working through. He's very deliberate very focused and um, the, one of the stunning things to me is when you talk to uh, people who who know him and have been around him and sometimes you're, you're texting other baseball people when he's pitching and uh, you hear from these people well he, he didn't even really have his his a game last night and mm-hmm. that'll be after he's pitched five six innings of of one run ball again and uh, you know maybe given up one or two hits uh, so I, and I believe it. Like I, I think there's 
there's another gear and another level for him, which is, it almost sounds um, overly optimistic to say that, but I, I, I think you can actually see that with him. Well, and the crazy part too is that when you talk to him, and you and I both had that opportunity to chat with him, but you see him in the media scrums after games, and you you hear how he how composed he is. I think there's this sense of hey, you know what? He can handle anything that comes his way, even if and when he does go through invariably that struggle where he goes and loses a couple or gets a few no decisions or finally does get roughed up for an inning or two. Absolutely, he doesn't uh, seem to get too terribly flustered, and even you can kind of see when he does. But it's such a like you're really looking for the minutia in his his body language when when he he does. It's just he'll catch the the ball back from the catcher a little more aggressively <laughs> than mm-hmm. normal or, or things of of that nature. And you're right when you do speak with him, he's just. Uh, you know his poise and maturity are, are brought up often, but he's also very intelligent in in his craft and knowing uh, how to go about things. And one of the things I've really enjoyed seeing with him is he he looks. I mean, I'd be happy too if I had mm. <laughs> his pitching resume for for 2019. But he looks pretty happy and and you know fairly loose when he's uh, around the game. Like he's he's smiling a lot. And you see when he's in those scrums after the game, like he's you can almost see him fighting a, a full-on grin uh, over over some of the questions he's getting, and that's just great to see. I mean, the guy is still 21, and you don't want him to be, you know, just so focused and, and overly serious that he's losing the fun part of the game. And I don't think he's he's lost that at all. And it, it is interesting. I did go back and read my story from from the interview I had with him a year ago. And he, you know, he, at the time he was just like, yeah, I want to go out and I want to dominate every pitch. And you, you know, like, oh, okay. Uh, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds a bit arrogant or cocky, but the, the way he broke it down was, was really interesting. And, and that he was mainly talking about of the intent of every pitch and every pitch having a purpose and not so much, well, you have to throw the perfect pitch here because that kind of that, that BS about chasing perfection, like that you you can't ever really throw the perfect pitch or, or the perfect game, even though that does <laughs> exist. Yeah. You know, even within the confines of that, you need some luck and you need uh, things to go your way. But just the the way that he was talking about being very deliberate and intentional and focused, and um, maybe being able to miss a little bit, but but how like getting away with that and, and moving on from that. One of the things that I've taken away in listening to some of the the conversations around Mike in Atlanta is how ma- how he manages to manage each at bat, and it all starts with the first pitch strike. It's amazing. You and I both play slow pitch, and we always talk about you know getting that strike and getting ahead of the batter. It's no different when it comes to actual baseball where you're at a disadvantage as a hitter if you're down 0-1. You're now having to try to fight a pitch that maybe you didn't want to have to fight against before. Mike's become that good at being uh, throwing batters off. He's not throwing fat first pitch fastball all the time. It's all of a sudden it's an off speed pitch. It's something a little different, right? Like it's all over the map, but it's always for strikes. Yeah. And, and I think too, he's earlier in the season when you watch him pitch, he had a lot of stuff that was, was down in the zone still great pitches but they were just kind of catching catching the corners and catching that box 
and normally getting the calls like they were they were just good pitches he, I, from what i've seen even in the last few starts is he's opened it up a bit he's he's ever i remember thinking early in the season i was like why didn't he like throwing up high like that mm. like just because he's thrown so many in a row that are down low he's starting to do that he's starting to mix things in a little bit more uh which tells me he's getting a little more confidence in 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 what he's doing and also, you know, one of the things I was hearing on one of the broadcasts was just how he doesn't show all of his pitches in the first go-round for batters. He'll mm. he'll show them something the first go-round, and then the second go-round, and even the third go-round, third at-bat, they are seeing a pitch that they hadn't seen in previous at-bats, which is great great plan with him and his, his catchers and, uh, and, and the staff there to, to do that. Makes it pretty tough to scout a guy when you're sitting there not knowing what to expect. Is he going to go fastball like he did last time, or is he going to go breaking ball this time, or does he have a curve up his sleeve, or maybe he's learned some other pitch miraculously, and I'm not expecting that at all either. Yeah, and if you watch, uh, for those of our listeners who are on uh, Twitter and and follow Pitching Ninja, if you watch some of the uh, overlays that they do of of, of Mike's pitches, it's just incredible to see because they'll th- they'll show the pitch coming in and it's coming in same arm slot same angle and the first however many thirty forty feet uh, the ball is going the same way and then just the the variety of destinations it could end up to uh, are are quite insane to watch so you really can't tell when that ball is just going to fall off the table or uh, or or slide uh, slide to the to the hitter or just be a fastball right so mm-hmm. it's it's really hard for a hitter to to adjust to that hard to believe as well that not only is mike getting accolades for his pitching but also for a certain song that was written on his behalf as well instead of my sharona it's now mike soroka done with a violin i mean this kid has become a phenom and really well loved in atlanta for a variety of reasons the song as well It's always fun to see that. And it was good to see that he enjoyed that as well. And he liked that he shared that song. It's funny. There was a different version of that song, not the violin one that kind of really went viral this, this year that came out last year. And it was, you know, it wasn't the the production quality wasn't quite as good, but you know, it's pretty catchy tune, man. His name works out uh, perfectly with that. My Sharona song. So. It is amazing to see. And coming up next, we're going to chat with one of uh, the gentlemen who knew Mike as a youngster. Brent Cooper is going to join us from PBF. Uh, He obviously has a lot of insight. Saw Mike pitch for the first time in person as well. And a great conversation coming up next here on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Brent, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Take us back to the very first time you ever met Mike Soroka. And what stuck out to you? Uh, very first time, uh, I'm 
thinking like tw- he's 12 or 13 years old. Uh, I'm coaching with the Redbirds, uh, the PBF Redbirds here in Calgary. Uh, first thing that sticks out, uh, just genuinely gifted height-wise. At that age, he was uh, quite a bit taller than uh, kids his own age. So uh, as a, co- uh, a coaching or uh, any sort of leader, you uh, look for the uh, key tools with a uh, a kid that age. So height is definitely one that sticks out. <laughs> was he always a pitcher or was there other dreams and aspirations? Uh, no, he uh, absolutely was not always a pitcher. He uh, loved and still loves to take uh, batting practice and played the field as well. <clears throat> All, uh, also, I'm quite sure most people are aware he's a uh, goaltender by trade in uh, hockey when he was a younger hockey player as well. So uh, very talented, uh, just genuinely athletic family. So uh, I believe his father played a number of sports as well. So um, genuinely just a good all-round kid at, at the sports that he played. When he was with you guys, what made you go, this kid's got something going for him? Uh, probably, and it, it took a few few years. Um, he, he was the kid that was taller than everybody, uh, but kind of at that sort of adolescent age bracket, when you're a little bit taller than everybody else, comes a little, a little bit more clumsy, a little awkward stage. And then uh, you try to work with the kids getting through that kind of uh, period of time. And um, it wasn't until probably 16, uh, after he got involved with the, uh, like, Jim Lawson, Chris Rietzma, uh kind of grasped onto him. And uh, Jordy Alexander would be another name. Uh, he, they really started refining the tools. Uh, he started putting the coordination together, and uh, they really focused in on the pitching aspect for sure. Do you remember the moment where it looked like the light bulb turned on for him, and that he went, "You know what? This is this is something I can do. Even e- not even just to be a, a high draft pick or anything, but I can continue down the line with this." <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, I mean, being a coach in the program and starting with kids at a young age, you see them year after year. And uh, in the position that I was in, I was involved with the catchers. And also, uh, I quite often was throwing the batting practice as well. So um, I would see the hitting aspect on a daily basis. And I would see the pitching aspect from a catcher's point of view. I wasn't necessarily directly involved with the uh, pitching instruction, per se, to Mike. But... I think the first light bulb moment, uh, really for myself, you hear about kids having talent and going away and having some success. But when he returned from his very first trip with Team Canada, that was where you see the dramatic improvement and dramatic uh, of like, oh, wow, this kid is really good. So uh, I would say that first trip with Team Canada exposure, um, that upper echelon of coaching, um, really kind of t- took Mike to that next level. It's one thing to have a whole bunch of talent, but it's another to put mm-hmm. it all together and to have the mindset to continue rolling with it. Talk about his brain and how cool as a cucumber he seems to be in every facet of the game, even at the pro level now. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're, I'm not going to tell you anything that you haven't heard already here, but I mean, Mike is above average on the baseball knowledge scale you know, during a game, after a game, even just casual conversation. You throw a stat at him and he can respond back with some historical fact that you haven't even contemplated yet. So uh, it's amazing to talk baseball with uh, a, a talent like that. But uh, Mike's always been he, – he's, he's generally speaking, he's taking a very uh, like casual – or basic approach to uh, and, and employing it with great success. Like, I, I think any coach at any level encourages their ki- uh, pitchers to throw strike one. And I mean, generally speaking, if you throw strike one, you're going to have some success. Well, Mike's doing strike one with all of his pitches, and he's attacking the. You constantly hear him talking about attack the zone uh, with all of his pitches, and I think. Uh, a blessing in disguise was his health uh, scare or, or, or brush last mm-hmm. last year. Um, I mean, that's really instilled in him to focus on what he needs to do in between starts and uh, what he needs to do to maintain his body as well and take the time to rest and recuperate because at the end of the day, 162 games is a long, long schedule for sure. So. It's one of those things to have a work ethic where you're at it all the time. It's another to attack it with some discipline. And it sounds like that's almost the the idea that he's taken in here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, if you take a step back and look at the coaching staff he has surrounding him and the teammates he has surrounding him, I mean, they have Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox still involved. Uh, they show up at spring training. Um, you have some great, great uh, resources uh, as far as coaching staff all through the minor leagues and at the major league level. And, I mean, the core group of them, the Rileys, the Acunas, the Albies, they kind of traveled through that minor league system as a as a core group. And they're all – they get to the major league level and they're all comfortable with one another. They're, it, it's not like you're trying to find out who your teammates are. You already know everybody that you have had success with all through the level. So what's it been like for you to be able to watch Mike develop and, and roll through uh, the minor league system and now doing as well as he is on a major league level? Uh, it's uh, I, I mean, you're, you'll probably hear a lot of people say surreal, but um, I mean, you coach for so long in a province that has had plenty of success at various levels of baseball, but uh, every kid tells you they're going to be the next major leaguer, and God bless them. I hope every one of them makes it, but uh, statistically speaking, that's just not a reality. So uh, as a coach, you're trying to uh, push them along, maybe make it uh, get their education paid for, some sort of success out of that side of it. But uh, when you see a kid get drafted in the first round, that's uh, eye popper. And uh, he's just kind of, uh, I know myself, I was like, Mike is the salt of the earth. He is such a nice family, such a nice individual. And uh, realistically, he hasn't changed a whole lot as a person uh, with the success that he's had. So, I mean, just to pick up, uh, shoot him a text and say, hey, you're, uh, you're in Arizona. I'm going to fly down in a couple of weeks and 
Uh, he's like, absolutely, we got tickets for you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. So he's just a really kind and loves the game. How emotional was it for you to go down there and to watch this kid that you've known for six, seven, eight years sitting there and pitching in a major league baseball game? Uh, emotional, like uh, I had to. I was lucky enough that I, I was able to take my wife down last year to his uh, first appearance in New York as well. And uh, both times, I mean, you you have the tickets in your hand. You have it in your head. You know Mike's. You see him in the bullpen, and then you see it up on the giant scoreboard that he's starting, and there's his face on the giant scoreboard, and you're like, "Holy smokes!" Like <laughs> this is, it's. Um, I mean, I know I have plenty of uh, college teammates that played. Angel Pagan was my center fielder. He played with the Mets and the Giants for many years, and you just go to the park and you try to soak it all in like just enjoy it and uh just that's literally what i try to do every time i go and watch them and i i plan on seeing them as much as humanly possible Mm -hmm. though i don't blame you at all on that and i think a lot of canadians are starting to pick up on how just how good this kid is talk about that start to this year even to the start of his career to be frank i mean the the stats don't lie he has been on fire he's breaking records he's doing things that haven't been seen in a generation i mean this is this is no small task that he is really undertaking here absolutely and uh i think you got to uh look back to the 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 base fundamentals chris Ritzma, jim lawson Ritzma from day 1 uh, when they got involved with the uh, uh, junior national team, Ritzma always was saying, this kid's going to be special, this kid's going to be special. And even, uh, you know, he's on the scouting side with other organizations and you hear the draft is coming up and you can almost hear the chatter of, oh, please, Braves, don't take him because I'm two slots away and I guarantee you I'll take him kind of thing. So, I mean, the excitement you see in guys, at that level, at the scouting level, when you see a kid rolling across the the draft board, and you see them licking their chops like that, you you got to pay attention to the names that you see like that because uh, they turn out to be Mike Sorokas, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite special, yeah. And even beyond that is what ends up happening is it has that trickle-down effect to baseball here in Calgary or baseball here in Alberta or baseball here in Canada. They look at some of these success stories that are starting to roll in, and all of a sudden it gives you know the, the 15-year-old kid or the 12-year-old kid here an idea of, hey, I could do that too. Absolutely, and uh, I think you see that even stretching back to the Blue Jays having their solid two-year run there in the playoffs. I mean, uh, enrollment at the the youth levels for baseball in Alberta skyrocketed uh, after that uh, positive experience there. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you everyone needs somebody to look up to. And if uh, I'm an East Coaster and there's not a whole heck of a lot of uh, East Coast uh, major leaguers, uh, to look up to, but um, I can vouch for it. If you have someone to look up up to and bounce questions off, and Mike makes himself accessible to these younger groups when he's home in the off season to speak to, and he does a really good job at just saying, "Hey, I'm just a kid like you were a kid," and uh, 
it, it can be done. So uh, it's it's a really positive experience from start to finish uh, to see something like this happen. So. And that's got to be the amazing part in it all, in and of itself as well, is that you've got a kid who isn't just making it in the big time, but he's also making a point of coming back here and, and trying to teach some of the youngsters as well that, hey, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's no doubt that Mike is a God-gifted kid. Like, he has some talent uh, handed to him, but he puts in an unbelievable amount of work with the Olympic uh, training facilities here in Calgary, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, I know they train in the off-site season together, and even uh, obviously he has access to some very high-end uh, therapy uh, at spring training as well. So uh, I mean, just keep at it. And uh, I mean, he identified an issue in his weight training regime. They edited that, and look at him now. He's uh, just setting records on a daily basis and he i don't want to say making it look easy because it's not an easy job but he's managing it very well for sure absolutely brent i do appreciate the time on the podcast thanks so much for joining us all right have a great day guys Big thanks to Brent for joining us on the podcast and big thanks to Ian Wilson, who is on the podcast right now. Ian, let's switch gears now, go from Mike Soroka and the story of his MLB dominance to what is going to be dominating a lot of people's minds heading into the summer baseball season here in this province. And that is the Western Canadian Baseball League. You have been going all out over the last couple of weeks, giving us all the previews for each of the teams. Who excites you the most heading into the 2019 campaign, just looking based only on paper? Oh, now you're asking me to, like, pick between my, my children <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> That's how I framed that with a lot of the coaches and managers as well, and they said the same thing. It's like, I don't know, it could be it could be anybody's guess, depending on what happens through the course of the summer. Yeah, and, and uh, just everyone in the league has been uh, so receptive to the work that, that we do and the mm-hmm. stories that we tell, and so just to, as a whole, it's uh, you know big shout out to uh, to all the, the the coaching staffs and the owners and the players because they they are just fantastic with us and, mm-hmm. and making themselves available and making time for us and uh, so yeah but to answer your question sort of uh, it was <laughs> it was it was fun to kind of break break down uh, I've, I've broken down most of the. Uh, the, the rosters as, as well as I can. And, and uh, it's always an interesting mix of players and an interesting league to compete in because, you know, A, like, first of all, there's the rebranding of the league this year, changing from the Western Major Baseball League to the Western Canadian Baseball League. Uh, so there's the name change, but also the schedule change where there's going to be 56 game regular season. And that's that's a really compressed, heavy schedule for a few months uh, in the summer in in Alberta and Saskatchewan. So um, that will be, you know, we'll see if that has an impact on any of the playoff races and uh, hopefully on some of the teams like Brooks and Fort Mac uh, and other teams that maybe don't do as well at the gate. uh, If they can use those extra dates to, to generate a little bit more revenue and hopefully, you know, from a financial point of view, just sustain them a little bit more. So we'll be curious, you know, we'll always be kind of watching the attendance figures and, and just on a, on a personal level, like the closest diamond to me is Seaman Stadium. And, and so I'm just, I'm giddy about uh, getting ready to go down there and uh, watch some action there and also to go up to the WCBL All-Star game. 
uh, in Edmonton in, in July. So that, uh, that'll be fun to go see and just get to the ballpark because that's, that's a big part of the fun is just, just going out there and seeing the game unfold and, and learning the players, uh, you know, with your eyeballs rather than looking at uh, a web page. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of the thing, too, is we've been covering the U.S. college scene for the last couple of months here, and you look at teams like the Okotoks Dogs and look at their roster and go, look at how many guys are doing so well, or you know any other team for that matter. I mean, the Medicine Hat Mavericks are looking to repeat, so they are going all in. They've got a bunch of returners from last year. You've got Lethbridge, who had a ton of guys down south doing great things, whether it was Nick Anchorman or... Dylan Borman. I mean, there's so many different storylines that are coming along. And then you look at coaching staffs and you look at Ray Brown now being in charge in Fort Mac and you have Jordan Blundell in Edmonton. And uh, as you mentioned, Brooks is looking to turn the corner with their organization. So there's a lot of really intriguing storylines. So it is really tough to pick a, I don't want to call it a favorite, but I think that there's, there's so many intriguing things that happen in such a small, uh, short amount of time anything and everything is possible. And I think that's why it's so exciting from uh, every organization standpoint heading into this summer. Absolutely. And and just with the way you've set that up, maybe one way of framing it uh, is, is things to be watching for in, in each market. So uh, in Brooks, uh, like I said, their, their attendance the first year went from 10,000 people in total. Uh, this is their fourth year. So they're entering their, their fourth season. The, the next year, so they went from averaging 470 fans to 270 fans to, I think it was 180 last year. So, you know, that's kind of one of the main things I'll be watching for is is how many uh, butts they get in the seats down there and if they can kind of turn things around from uh, for, at the gates. And, uh, you know, they also had they had some great storylines last mm-hmm. year. You know, we had Riley McDonald in, in Brooks uh, last year. He's, he's not back. He's moved on to uh, – he's actually playing in Austria – uh, right now and um, broke the home run record for the WCBL. So he's not going to be back, but they do have uh, Damian Rodriguez is a good player. He had uh, nine home runs for them last year. Uh, they've got a couple of intriguing pitchers coming back. Uh, Pena is one of them from, from Bronx, New York. So they actually have a Bronx bomber in their lineup. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Ray Brown in, in Fort Mac. So, That'll be intriguing as well. What uh, what can he bring to that market? You know, Brooks and uh, Fort Mac are teams that are trying to get into the playoffs for the first time. And, uh, you know, Ray Brown has, has been able to, to turn a franchise around. We saw him and Orb Franchuk do that in Edmonton and, and have playoff success in Edmonton. So does he have enough there in Fort Mac to to make a run at playoffs? So that's one thing I'll be watching there. And then, you know, you move on to, to Edmonton and uh, Jordan Blundell, he's kind of getting getting the keys to the car. And uh, it's an interesting market right now with all the talks surrounding Remax Field mm-hmm. and the future of that ball diamond. So um, they had good crowds in their opening weekend and hope that continues. And I'm curious to see the lineup that, that he's he's fielded. I know he spoke at length with you on, on your podcast uh, previously uh, about that lineup, and uh, he's obviously very invested in that, knows it very well. And uh, there's some interesting guys in that lineup. You seem to go for a lot of speed uh, when it comes to the the, the, the batters, and uh, they could see a lot of stolen bases up there this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this season. And uh, Lethbridge is definitely an intriguing one to me. Uh, I I like a lot of the uh, returning players that they had. Um, I think on paper they look really good, so I don't. 
yeah, like in some ways you look at that lineup and you think, how are they not a little bit better last year? But, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe this year they can be a little bit better. And, uh, you know, Adam Mako, who's been talked up uh, in advance of the, the draft, uh, I'm excited to see him pitch in that league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moving on to Medicine Hat, eight returning uh, players from the championship team. They've they've got a good core of guys there. Uh, there's no reason they shouldn't be right back in the mix. And then Okotoks, every single year, all they do is is have regular season dominance, and uh, they recruit very well. They've got those great crowds and the great venue, uh, great resources. So they'll they'll be in the conversation as they are every year, and. Uh, you know, of course, the big one with them is uh, can they get over their their the playoff hump and mm-hmm. and get to a final and, and win a final. So, yeah, there's there's no shortage of storylines. So I'm excited about that. And then along the way, you get all the other, um, uh, you know, lesser storylines uh, that kind of emerge out of nowhere. You know, last year it was Rich Walker throwing a perfect game. Uh, you know, how cool is that? I mean, mm-hmm. you never get to see those things. So so the audience in, in Fort Mac got to see that last year. And unfortunately, he's not coming back. He was expected to, to play with the Giants this, this season, but uh, it ended up taking the summer off. He pitched uh, quite a few innings uh, stateside this year, so not a big surprise that he would take some time off. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to all that. And then, uh, yeah, one of the other storylines last year was uh, Mitch Schmidt, uh, Big Bear, Big Bear throwing <laughs> chairs. So I don't know if we'll get anything quite that uh, volatile this year, but those stories always kind of emerge and always make it fun to be at the ballpark. You never know what kind of game you're gonna gonna show up at. Well, and especially if we get a little bit of uh, agreeance from Mother Nature on whether or not she wants to see some ball being played over the course of the summer, and uh, you get the feeling that some of these rivalries are just getting started, right? Like you look at, especially with Brooks and Fort Mac in the in the mix now, and teams have started. You could even tell there was a few, you know, mired shots, I suppose, uh, thrown at one another about the rivalries and that kind of thing. And so a lot of these teams brought back a lot of returning players because they know how important those playoff spots are come the end of July. And so I'm really looking forward to, as you mentioned, just seeing where teams are. And, and I agree with you on the Lethbridge front in particular. Uh, and as Jesse Sawyer alluded to in our podcast previously, is he faced some injury problems early on and guys who they had some expected arms that didn't weren't able to show up. And so uh, all of a sudden you almost have to have those pieces all line up uh, just perfectly for you because it is such a short season, even though it is 56 games this year you need everything to come together otherwise it can uh, fall apart real quick on you and like you said all you got to do is ask the Okotoks dogs uh, what happens when you have a great regular season and then you face a little bit of adversity come playoff time and things might not go your way so look really looking forward to seeing whether uh, Mitch Schmidt can turn things around come playoff time whether the the Lethbridge uh, Bulls have uh, got all their horses lined up can Medicine Hat actually repeat does Edmonton have enough speed to uh, maybe play a little bit more small ball than we're expected and then of course like you said you have Brooks and and uh, and Fort Mac looking to turn the hump and get their first playoff berths for each organization to play final question for you Ian as we head into the summer what are you most excited for bar none is there a, a day on the calendar or is there just the is it just getting out there and having a hot dog finally uh, in the stands at some of the ballparks around the province what is it that you're really excited for 
Oh, well, yeah, I mean, just being at the ballpark is, is always special. I know, like, I was reflecting on last last season, and there was one moment uh, after one of the games last year, and one of the great uh, things that the, the dogs do is the fans are, are free to come onto the field after the game and run the bases and get signatures from the players, get balls signed, and, and play catch with the players. And I just, one, uh, one uh, blue sky day last year, I remember after one of the games, and I was getting ready to leave, and then I just watched uh, Ryan Hemeniak, uh Manitoba kid who trained at Dogs Academy and played with the Dogs um, last season, just kind of coming out, and he was just playing catch with the kids, and it was just beautiful moment. And just one of those, you know, like just it's you see it all the time, but it's just one of those really nice things. I remember seeing Saul Rodriguez with the Minnesota Mavericks doing the same thing, just playing catch with one of the kids. And that was in Okotoks too. He's playing with one of the, the quote unquote rival kids, <laughs> kids, but that means a lot to the, to the fans and, and they love, love getting that, uh, those moments. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it, more specifically, I, I am looking forward to the MLB draft coming up because that's an exciting day for a lot of uh, kids, uh, a lot of families, uh, you know, to have their, their name called and to be drafted. Uh, that's always an exciting time. And it's, often the start of a, an exciting journey, no matter where it goes after that. So that'll be really intriguing, intriguing and really fun to, to watch uh, which Alberta players get their, their names called uh, those, those few days. And then after that, the, the all-star game, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's a new thing to us. Uh, we haven't, uh, haven't seen that. I'm curious about the format. I'm curious about the events, uh, a pretty big ballpark. So is there going to be, be a home run derby uh like how's that yeah <laughs> how's how that gonna look uh so all the the festivities to go along with that weekend should should be interesting and then you know to the end of the season the, the best of three format it's no longer a best of five so those playoff series are are going to be really quick and really uh you're going to have to have your stuff together in a hurry or you're going to be bounced from the playoffs pretty quick so mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just generally speaking, getting out in the sunshine and, uh, you know, taking my camera out and shooting some ball and, and watching some ball. It's, it's going to be a great, great summer for that. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing what uh, you've got uh, up your sleeve. And of course, we've got a lot coming up on our, in our under our sleeves when it comes to the podcast as well. So you're going to want to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AB Dugout Stories is where you can go to check us out on all three of those. It is about that time where we wrap things up here on the podcast. Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Enjoy baseball season. And a big thanks to all of you for downloading and listening to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.